Father, we thank You that all is well. Lord, regardless of what is going on with a pandemic, regardless of what's going on in the economy, regardless of who is President of the United States, Lord, all is well because You are with us. Lord, we ask that You would be with us now as we turn our attention to Your Holy Word. Father, that You would move me out of Your way, that You might speak to us by the power of Your Word. Lord, that You would encourage us and lift our hearts, especially those who find this season especially difficult. God, I pray that You give encouragement and strength. But Lord, I also pray that You would convict us and challenge us. Spirit, You are able to do this through the preaching of Your Word. So we ask, Lord, that You would add Your richest blessing to the reading, to the teaching, to the proclamation of Your Holy Word. We ask these things now in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope that you do, I encourage you to take and turn to the Gospel of John towards the very end of the Gospel of John. We'll be in the second to last chapter. We'll be in John chapter 20. We have a brief passage this morning. We'll be in chapter 20, verses 19 to 22. There'll be several other passages that we'll read as we go along through the sermon this morning. But as is our tradition for our primary passage for the first one that we read, I would ask if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word? As we look together at John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22. I will read for us. I encourage you to respond after I have read by saying, I will say this is the word of the Lord. I ask you to respond by saying, thanks be to God. Let's look together now at verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I know that our temptation at Christmas is to be caught up in the nostalgia, right? It's to be caught up in the memories, in the traditions of when we were children, of white Christmases and, and maybe the hope of there being snow or, or just it being cold at least and the meals that we eat and the things that we give to one another. But what I would encourage you to, to stop this morning and let us all take a step back and realize what Christmas is really about. And Christmas, the story of Christmas, actually begins before creation. Back before the beginning when there was one God and only one God. Now, what's confusing to some is that that one God 
expresses himself to us as three persons. And so I know that that can be confusing. I know that our missionaries that are funded by the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, in the places where they go, there are often people who assume that we worship three gods, that we worship God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit as three separate gods. But we know as Christians, while we don't always fully understand it, we know and comprehend that God is one being. And he expresses himself to us in three persons. So we serve a triune God. And even in our passage this morning, we see elements of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in one being. And God existed as one triune God before the very beginning. God was perfect and there was no need for anything or anyone else. God was content in himself. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. He did not have to create us. But God, being so rich in mercy and love, wanted to share with a creation this wonderful community and love that God knew. And so he speaks and creates. And the Trinity is there in creation. In the first verses of Genesis, we read that the Spirit is hovering over the chaos over the nothingness, that God the Father is there, God the Son is there, and God the Spirit is there. And so the Lord creates this universe. And God makes all that we know and all that we don't know. Everything in this vast universe. And he says, I'm I'm, going to make a special creation. He decides to make humanity. And so when he makes man and he makes woman, he forms us out of the dust of the earth. And he takes one of Adam's ribs and forms the woman. This is more care than he took in anything else that he created. And he said, I'm going to make man. I'm going to make humanity after my own image. And so there are privileges that we have as humans because we are in the likeness of God in a way that dogs and sheep and goats and cows are not. And so God makes us and gives us his very image and has a special relationship with people. Can you imagine God the Son is walking through the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. They talk as friends. They sit down to supper together. The same way that we look forward to sitting down with our family at Christmas, God the Son is walking and talking face to face with Adam and Eve. Now, I know that this might be confusing, and it might be difficult for some of us to wrap our minds around. And so there's a ton of analogies about the Trinity, about how how can there be God the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And so what I want to offer this morning is an imperfect analogy. There's no perfect analogy for the Trinity, but this one is one of my favorites. I want us to think about God as the Son in our solar system. God is holy. In the same way that the sun is holy in our solar system. There is no other planet or object in our solar system that is like the sun. It is completely unique and set apart. It is powerful. And if you get too close to the sun, it will burn you up and you cannot survive. This is like God. But see, God is Father in the sun itself. And if you were to go outside and stare at the sun with your naked eye, after a certain amount of time, you'd just go blind. The same way, God doesn't reveal himself as Father because we would not be able to stand in his presence. It would be like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Our eyeballs would melt 
out of our heads. We could not stand to look directly at the face of God the Father. And so God made a way for us to see him in Christ. Christ is like the rays of sunshine that emit from the sun. The very same essence as the sun. This radiation emits out of the sun and that is Christ, God the Son. And then you wonder of the Spirit. Well, the Spirit is the warmth that we feel from the radiation from the sun. We can't see it. We can't touch it. You can't grab warmth and hold it. But as the sun shines on us, we feel that warmth in the same way that we feel the Spirit move in and amongst us. But this is the beginning of the story of Christmas. That triune God in perfect relationship with humanity that he created. But then Adam and Eve and all of us in succession after Adam and Eve have chosen not to trust God as God, not to believe in God as our provider, as our sustainer. We decided we make better gods ourselves. And so Adam and Eve, they ate of the fruit that God told them not to eat of. And they said, we don't need God's knowledge. We will take this fruit and we will have knowledge. And so from that point forward, we've been cursed with sin. And folks, I don't think that we grasp When I say we, I mean me, I mean you, I mean every Christian. I've yet to meet a Christian that fully grasps that moment in time when God confronts Adam and Eve with their sin. Do we realize that at that moment God should have wiped them all away, consumed all of them, completely destroyed his creation? It did not take that much effort for him to make everything. He could have started over, but he chose to make a way to redeem us. Instead of killing us as we deserved, because we are treasonous, because we are rebellious, because we are traitors, but God chose to make a way for us to be at peace with him again, made a way for everything all to be well. That's where the mission of Christmas is concocted. Even before the foundations of the earth, God knows that this will happen. And so God develops this plan and he decides he's going to deploy God the Son to the earth behind enemy lines and he's going to do it in the form of a baby. That is Christmas. Listen, Christmas is not just a cute, precious, little, bitty baby. Do you guys ever notice that all of us, like any of us that have a heart, when you see like a really cute puppy or like a a newborn baby, you just, your voice gets higher and you you do the baby talk. Why did you do the baby? You did too much of a baby. Look, that's how Jesus came. And so when we see the little bitty cute baby and and it's laid in a manger and it's so sweet and we have these nativity sets and, and it's just so nostalgic. We get caught up in the poinsettias and the decorations and we get caught up in the food and the gifts and everything that's going on. And all that Christmas has become and the commercial enterprise that it is when actually it's a wartime mission of God sending the Son and Jesus, the son, infiltrating behind enemy lines. He jumps out of the plane from higher heights than you should jump. He parachutes in behind enemy lines and sneaks down among us. I love the expression that he didn't come like a hurricane. He didn't come like a typhoon or an earthquake, but he came like a winter snow. It was quiet. It was soft. It was low. And 
we are lulled into how quiet and soft and precious this birth of this child was. But this was a special mission from God to deliver and save his people. And so when we look at this passage for John chapter 20, verses 19 to 22, Jesus says to them, peace be with you. Do you know why Jesus can say peace be with you? Because he is peace and he is with them. He is Emmanuel, God with them, and he is peace. When he shows up and says, peace be with you, he says that because he says, what's up, guys? I'm peace and I'm here and I'm with you. You can chill out now. Do You know, one of the, the earmarks, one of the most notable things about Christians is that we got peace. When the whole world is going crazy, we got calm because we've got Jesus. Jesus shows up in the room, just boom, out of nowhere. They were just sitting there eating dinner, and whoa, there's Jesus. And then Jesus says, peace be with you. This is the great commission in the Gospel of John. I know we're used to hearing it from Matthew, but this is the great commission in the Gospel of John. As Jesus just shows up, the doors are locked. He appears among them, and he says to them, just as the Father has sent me. Everything that I have said up until this point is summarized in Jesus saying, as the Father has sent me. Jesus was sent on a mission. And folks, we cannot overlook that Jesus was sent to us. It's not just a baby being born. It is a dangerous, inconvenient, uncomfortable mission The same way that when they send the linemen out to fix all the power, they ain't no power, and usually they put them up in tents. And they got a, it's a dangerous mission. They're working with electricity and high voltage. They're sleeping in tents for two or three hours a night and then right back out to restore power. The same as when a building is on fire and the firemen rush toward the fire. It is a dangerous, uncomfortable, and inconvenient mission, but it's the mission that God the Father sent God the Son on. And God the Son, Jesus Christ, accepted gladly. And listen, you don't have to take my word for it. Look with me in other places all over Scripture, especially in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7. In the same way also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. Without Christ, in the same way we were enslaved to our sin, to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. God, the Father, sent the Son. Born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God, this is a mission so that it takes us from slavery to sonship, from being owned by sin to being an inheritor and an heir of God Almighty. And listen to the Trinitarian languages, even in Galatians chapter 4, John chapter 20, the Father sent the Son, the Son breathes, and it's a foretaste of what we talked about in Sunday school. The Holy Spirit is received in a tiny taste before Pentecost, even here in John 20. And in Galatians 4, God sent forth His Son, and then His Spirit is in our hearts so that we cry, Abba, Father. This is a mission from God, from His Father, Son, and Spirit, triune, perfect self, to save us from our sins. But it's not just saving us from something. 
It's saving us for something because that passage in John chapter 20 doesn't end with as the father has sent me Jesus says even so I am sending you put your name in there Jesus says as the father has sent me Nathan I'm sending you April I'm sending you Walt I'm sending you Claude I'm sending you Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, believer, Christian. We have a mission in life. We are not supposed to have a goal of being comfortable and having a convenient life. We have a mission that will oftentimes be inconvenient and uncomfortable and hard, but it is what God has sent us to do. He is making His appeal Through us, when we trust in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, we become agents on God's mission. We are the ambassadors, as 2 Corinthians would say. We're God's representatives in this world. We are the ones to whom God is making the appeal to the world through. God is using us. Do you not think that if God wanted us to just sit back and be comfortable and convenient, the Lord himself would open up the heavens and go, Hey guys, what's up? I'm God, and... uh, just want you to know, sent my son to die for you. You better believe in him or you're going to hell. Thank you very much. This has been a public service announcement. Trust in Jesus. God out. Boom. Closes the clouds back up. Do you not think God could do that? Or not even open the clouds. Just his voice is omnipresent in everybody's mind all at the same time. And he goes, hey, Julie, this is God. I just want you to know you need to trust in Jesus. He's my son. You know that Bible thing? All of it's true. I meant that. He could do that. None of that's impossible for him, but he calls us to take part in the mission that Christ began. It's our mission. We're the representatives. And listen to how he describes this mission. Listen to how he describes the sent nature of Jesus in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit, God the Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. As he is, so also are we in this world. In the same way that Jesus was sent, we are sent because as he is, so are we. Now, don't miss that this is the same author as the Gospel of John, saying the same words in a different way. We are sent. The way that Jesus was and is is how we are to be also. This is our command. This is our commission. This is our goal in life, to be as Jesus was and is. And then verse 18, here's what holds us back. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved 
us. Folks, even in John chapter 20, remember Jesus shows up, boom, appears in the room. And then all of a sudden they're like, ah, they're all afraid. And Jesus says, peace be with you. He has to calm them down because their immediate reaction is fear. And you know what happens to us? We experience the love of Christ. We're abiding in the Father and the Father in us. His Spirit is welling up inside of us. And then all of a sudden this fear creeps in. And this fear takes so many different forms. You can't live on the mission. You can't live on the mission. Because what will people think of you? They'll call you a fanatic. They'll call you a freak. You'll be like one of those people that dresses up at the ball games, takes off your shirt, and has your team's logo painted on your chest. And when the camera comes to you, you're going, We're all giant! And everybody's going to go, Oh, what's up with that guy? Nobody wants to be that guy, right? They'll think we're fanatics. But as Jesus was while he was on earth, we are to be also. People thought Jesus was outside his mind. His mama, his brothers, his friends went to grab him and say, your daddy is dead and you are responsible for the family business. Your mama's destitute. Your brothers can't hold it together. Get home. You're not the Messiah. Who do you think you are? And Jesus looked at them and said, you ain't my brother. You're not my mother. These are my brothers and my mother because I'm here to do the will of God. And walked off and everybody said, that man is crazy. Everybody thought he was crazy till he rose from the dead. Guess what? When you tell your brothers you're the Messiah, they're not going to believe you till you rise from the dead. When you rise from the dead, guess what? Your brothers are going to get real convinced real quick. Hey, maybe we were growing up with the Messiah. I, I don't know. People, we're afraid of looking crazy by talking about Jesus, by being on mission for Him. We're afraid of persecution. We're afraid of what people will say to us. We're afraid that God might ask us to sell our business and go to the other side of the world. But we're so afraid of it, we don't even go to the other side of the street. We just spend time at Christmas looking at pretty decorations and driving around looking at Christmas lights. And, oh, I just love Christmas time. It's just such a wonderful time of the year. This is reminding us that this is our mission. Jesus came to us, so we go. Do you know our whole denomination was founded on going? Our denomination was founded in 1845. Southern Baptists got together and said, we can do more together to reach the world, to reach the unreached, to go to every corner of this earth. We can do more together than we can separate. So let's join up and form a group where we all contribute together to missions. That's where the International Mission Board finds its founding. That's where the Lottie Moon Christmas offering comes from, is that we as Southern Baptists, we did not get together and say, you know what? There's too many church people around here who like to drink and dance and smoke and chew. And we need to start a denomination where people don't do none of that stuff and we're hoity-toity and we're uppity and everybody just don't drink and smoke and dance and do none of that stuff in public. They all just do it in private in their house so nobody will know. That's how we need to start a denomination. That was not the conversation. That's what people think of us these days. But the conversation was there are people dying and going to hell who've never heard the name of Jesus, who don't have a Bible in their own language. Let's get together and reach them. And folks, that's what Christmas is about. Jesus reached to us, so we reach to others. We give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We talk to our friends and our coworkers and our family. As awkward as it is, even in the midst of this year, if you want to have peace, and you want everything to be well, if you want to be able to say to your family, all is well, you can say it if you say you trust in Jesus. 
and not be afraid of if they're going to write you off like some fanatic. Not be afraid like the disciples were afraid as soon as Jesus showed up in the room. But folks, I'm in this category. I'm paralyzed by my own fear. I don't share the gospel as I ought to. I'm afraid of what people are going to think of me or what people are going to say to me. I'm afraid to give God a blank check because maybe he'll say I've got to pick up my family and go to the other side of the world. But God has called us to a mission and it might not be convenient. As a matter of fact, he pretty much guarantees it's going to be inconvenient. He guarantees it's going to be uncomfortable. But as he was sent, so are we. As he is, we are to be also And it won't matter what persecution we face because He'll be with us. He sent His Spirit. We studied it this morning. His Spirit will be with us. In moments where we need protection, His Spirit will protect us. In moments where we need the words to say, He will give us the words to say. But we're too afraid to be sent and to stand out at Christmas. We're too afraid to be sent and stand out and be different. Because we're calm, because we have peace, because we have Jesus. And we get swept away in all the simple traditions just like everybody else. You know, Satan doesn't attack us with big obvious things. He doesn't come after us and say, come and be a Satan worshiper. It's, it's, not, it's not how Satan attacks you. He says, oh, it's not going to hurt if you just add one more little thing. It's not going to hurt if, if, we, if we put up a Christmas tree. Put, let's put up another Christmas tree. Let's put some lights on our house. You know, it, it's not going to hurt if, if you say all this about Santa and focus everything on Santa Claus. I mean, you know, St. Nicholas was a, was a saint. I mean, he, he really, when he, when he was alive, he was a saint. He was a devoted believer. It, it's not going to hurt anything to, to draw a little bit of focus to a devoted believer. And step by step by step. We walk away from the fact that Christmas is about God's mission. Christmas is about we should be dead. But Jesus chose to be highly inconvenient and extremely uncomfortable in a 33-year-long mission to save His creation. And as He was sent, so are we. Do you know how else we're afraid? Look with me in Luke chapter 4. We're afraid like these people in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 42. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. This is Jesus. He's been in this town teaching the gospel. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. The people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving. And would have kept him from leaving. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. And look, for I was sent by God. That's the sent mission. I was sent for this purpose, to proclaim the news of the kingdom, to proclaim that the kingdom is here and the kingdom is now, and i got to go tell other people. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Folks, this is what we do. Jesus shows up in our lives, and we want to cling to Jesus and hold him tight, and we don't want to let him go. Don't go anywhere else, Jesus. Stay right here with me. This is what this town did. They loved Jesus. They loved his preaching. They loved his teaching. They loved the miracles that he performed, and they wanted to grab a hold of him and say, don't go anywhere else, Jesus. Just stay here with us. And Jesus says, oh, yeah, y'all are welcome to be with me. I would love for you to be with me, but you're going to be with me. You're going to be on the move. Jesus didn't say, stay right there. He said, 
follow me. Throughout all of Jesus' ministry, he was on the move. And if you want to be with Jesus, you got to be on the move. If I want to be with Jesus, i got to be on the move. Jesus doesn't call us to little holy huddles. Jesus doesn't call us to our one group or our one Sunday school class. But we're so paralyzed and petrified by our own fear that we are not even willing to go to a new class or start a new group. But I really like all these people, Pastor. I've been going to Sunday school with them for the last 30 years. You don't understand. This is my class. These are my people. This is my group. You can talk to them again in heaven. We're sent. we got to go. He didn't say sit around with the same people for 30 years. He said go tell people. They're dying. They're going to hell. There's still 7,400 people, groups, groups of people who've never heard the name Jesus. And we're worried about going into a new Sunday school class or a new small group or making a new friend. Because it'll be awkward, it'll be uncomfortable. What if we don't have similar hobbies? What if we don't have similar habits? What if I don't get along with them, preacher? Do you got Jesus? Uh-huh. Do they got Jesus? Uh-huh. Boom! Connection! Yahtzee! Folks, we are sent, but we're scared to death. We want Jesus to stay right here with us in our little bubble and be safe. But that's not what Jesus called us to. He was sent and He sent us. We have a mission. And we're so much more worried about what people are wearing and what people are drinking and what people are doing than the mission of God. We want to get on to people before we've actually shared gospel with them. Folks, Jesus didn't have to do none of this. None of it. But because I'm a worthless sinner, He chose to be born and live in the muck and the nastiness of this world that we've cursed with our sin. He chose to be uncomfortable and inconvenienced. He chose to face every temptation that I've faced and every temptation that I've failed to, He conquered and invites me to be a part of His mission. And I have the audacity to go, thanks Jesus, I appreciate you saving me. Boy, I sure would like a new vehicle. I wish I could have a truck. Be nice to have a truck. I just wish I could get this. I just wish I could have that. Folks, we've missed the point. God has called us to a mission. And it's because of His mission that we have a mission. It's because He left heaven. He is a missionary God and He's called us to be a missionary people. So this morning... I wonder if maybe you're watching online or, or maybe you're here in person and you haven't realized what Jesus really did for you. That he was sent for you. Nobody else on earth, if everybody else was a, was a perfect saint and had never sinned and you were the only sinner, Jesus still would have come and died for you. If I was the only sinner, he would have done it just for me. And maybe this morning is the first time you realize how much Jesus really loves you. Maybe you're like Cooper and you want to say, I want Jesus to be my Lord, my boss, my Savior, my Deliverer. This morning we'll be down front. I'll be right here. Jake will be right there. We're not pulling any pranks or tricks. We're going to be right there. Come grab us by the hand and say, i got to trust in this Jesus who left heaven for me, who died a miserable painful death on a cross for me. But if you've already done that and you're here this morning 
I want to challenge you to ask yourself the same question I've been having to ask myself all week preparing this sermon. God, Merry Christmas. Thank you for coming. Thank you that you were sent. Where are you sending me? Are you sending me across the street? Are you sending me to my brother, my sister-in-law, my aunt, my uncle? Are you sending me to my co-workers, to my children, to my grandchildren? Are you sending me to my grandfather that might not know the Lord? Are you sending me to another country? Are you sending me to another remote region of the world to share the gospel? Jesus, thank you that you were sent on Christmas. Where are you sending me? The dangerous question to ask. It hadn't been fun to try and build up the courage to ask it, but let me confess to you, I've been afraid to ask it. But Jesus was sent to us. And I'm not saying that every person in this room is sent to a foreign country, but we're all sent somewhere to someone. And this Christmas, are you willing to hand a blank check to Jesus and say, where are you sending me? I'll go. Where you want me to be, I'll be there. What you want me to do, Lord, I'll do. That's what Christmas is about because that's what Jesus did with God the Father. Are we willing to be like Jesus and tell him the Lord, where are you sending me? Because I'll go. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. This Christmas it's about you, Jesus, and I want to be on your team and I want you to tell me and I'll go. This morning, what's Christmas to you? Because I would encourage you, whatever it is, to make it about Asking Jesus, where are you sending me? And having the courage to say, I'll go. Let's pray. Jesus, we can't get over the fact that you gave up so much for us. We can't get over the fact that when the Father said, go, you said, okay. You chose to make a way for us to be redeemed. You chose to make a way for us to be right with you again. And now, because of your death, for those that believe in you, there is no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in you, Christ Jesus. Lord, we pray and we ask this morning that you would give us the courage and the boldness to say to you, Lord, where are you sending? Lord, give us the courage and the boldness to respond by saying, I'll go wherever you say. Whether that's across the street, whether that's in the next room, whether that's the desk right beside me, whether that's to the other side of the world, Lord, help us to be willing to live on mission the way that you came on mission at Christmas some 2,000 years ago. We ask all this in the name of the Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit.